You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on Christ through the ages. Now looking at John, Heavenly Word, Human Flesh. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. Thank you for listening to this series, Christ Through the Ages. You're about to listen to the 10th lesson. Each one points us to Jesus, shows us what the Lord wants us to learn about Jesus Christ. In this sub-series on the Gospels, we looked at Mark, Lord Caesar or Lord Jesus, uh, focusing particularly on the exclamation of the centurion when Jesus died. In Matthew, the title was Jesus was Jewish, and uh, we skimmed through many parts of the Gospel of Matthew. For example, Matthew 28, the commission to reach the Gentiles. And Matthew 5, the comparison of Jesus with Moses. In Luke, our title last time, A Universal Vision from the Center to the Margins. To appreciate this theme, you need to read Luke, but not alone. Read it with its companion, with its sequel, which is Acts And we see the gospel being preached to the high and the low alike. And we looked particularly at Jesus's Nazareth sermon, where uh, Gentiles are held up as examples of recipients of God's grace, as opposed to Jews. This caused real problems. And it raised in us questions I think we need to be honest about. Is there any trace of prejudice in my outlook or in my ministry Do I share with people who are different to me? Do I care deeply about different peoples and cultures of the world? And do I have a universal vision for the impact of the gospel? Or am I one of those people who prefers the quiet confines of the self-absorbed insider? What am I like? Well, now we're going to look at John. And, of course, we know that John has multiple themes. And much of the material in John is unique. Ninety percent, in fact, of John's material is not found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is set mainly in Jerusalem as opposed to Galilee, where we find so much of the action taking place in the first three Gospels. Unlike the synoptics, John is not structured around the trek from Caesarea to Jerusalem, you know, when Jesus turns south after Peter's confession, um, goes south to Jerusalem to challenge the system and to die. And John, rather, he goes up and down, up and down, It's structured around the various feasts of the Jews. John emphasizes Jesus' incarnation, his humanity, and perhaps has the most universal focus of the four Gospels. It's somewhat philosophical, highly theological. We have the triple seven. That is, we have the the, uh, seven I am statements, the seven confessions of Jesus' identity, and the seven signs, which are not just miracles, but they're certain miracles that point towards certain truths about Jesus. And that triple seven is found in several other books of the Bible. John uses antitheses, simple but effective use of paired opposites, uh, combined with physical and spiritual levels, and frequently he's misunderstood um, and provides for some of the humor of John. But what I want to focus on in this lesson is his humanity. And so I've titled it, John, the Heavenly Word in Human Flesh. The humanity of Jesus is emphasized so much in this gospel. The man gets fatigued, 4-6. Sometimes we find him in anguish, 12-27, 13-21. Weeping, 11-33-35. 
possibly even irritated, 2-4. He has friends, 11-11. And we're going to focus on the story of Jesus and Lazarus right now. But this is going to be very important because some Christians think of Jesus much more as a God or an angel or someone who doesn't change or have personality. He just is, and he just glides through life. John, even more than the other Gospels, emphasizes that Jesus has humanity, or as the later church councils would conclude, he's fully man, fully God and fully man. Well, let's look at our passage. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured, who poured perfume on the Lord. So the sister sent word, Lord, the one you love is sick. Uh, just to set the stage, Bethany is just a few kilometers from Jerusalem. It's really just walking distance. And he had friends there, two sisters and a brother, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Apparently, Jesus stayed there at times. It would have been a very convenient location if he were visiting the holy city for the feasts. And at this point, Lazarus is ill. And Lazarus is described as, well, the one Jesus loves. He's certainly a beloved disciple, a friend. Now, uh, Jesus is informed of this. He knows it will not end in death, verse 4, even though he probably knows he will die. But it won't end that way. There's a short interchange with his disciples, and he tells them that our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up, and in characteristic fashion, uh, his disciples misunderstand. So he speaks to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And then Thomas makes his declaration of faith, let us also go that that we may die with him. Many of these things are very touching. Um, In the middle of the chapter, we have his arrival to Bethany. Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So this is not a reclusive family. They're connected, and we imagine there's a significant crowd. So Martha heard Jesus was weeping. She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And that must have been hard. See, even though Jesus knew that he would raise Lazarus, It's hard being told, if you were here, what eventuated would have been different. And what has eventuated is very painful. If you had been here, it'd be different. Jesus talks to her. He assures her that I am the resurrection, the life. She she confesses her faith in him. But at this point, Mary joins. Mary hears the teacher has arrived. Mary heard this. She got up quickly and went to him. And Jesus had not yet entered the village, so he's still somewhat outside the place where he was talking with Martha. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same words. Maybe there's a different tone or different, uh, I don't know, something behind those words, but it's the same words, Martha. So now twice Jesus has been told, Accused is too strong a word, reminded perhaps, but that they had full faith that he would have prevented Lazarus's death and thus all of the pain that they and and their friends were suffering as a result. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, 
he was deeply moved. And some translators translate this as deeply angry, and it may just well be. But for those who would say, Jesus is God, he's not affected by events because he's all-knowing, thus he is hmm, nonchalant, he's uh, somewhat disconnected, dispassionate, he doesn't suffer, he never changes, he's not human the way we are, he's not subject to, to human pain or anguish or fatigue or any. This just blows that away. And there are many passages in John that do this. They show Jesus' deep humanity and underscore it and highlight it, and we need that. He's deeply moved in spirit. He's troubled. There's that word. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And that is where I will stop. Am I aware of the differences among the four Gospels? Do I lean towards conceiving of Christ as more of an angel or you know, a spirit who doesn't really interact or feel? Or do I view him more as a human? Do I have a balanced Christology? That is, some people think of Jesus as so human they, they miss the divine, but others go the other way. He's so divine that they miss his humanity, and perhaps that's why John's gospel was written. Have I ever been taught that the body is somehow unnecessary or unspiritual? And I've heard that said a number of times. That low theology of the body is unbiblical. Everything God made is good, including the body, and that's why it will be resurrected. At any rate, when we look at the gospels, we learn things about Jesus the Holy Spirit, through the different emphases of the four Gospels, let's not all, let's not blend them together or try to construct some kind of harmony to find out, quote, what really happened, end quote. No, we need to take each Gospel on its own terms and see what is emphasized. That's why um, we, we have different titles for each of these four podcasts. But I believe, I hope, I trust, I've been faithful to the emphases that are in those documents themselves. And thus, this lesson, John, the heavenly word, this is the incarnate word, the word became flesh, the heavenly word in human flesh. Or you could put it this way, Jesus, 100% God, 100% man, fully divine, fully human. In our next lesson, we're going to see what we learn about Jesus Christ through the document that's called James, and which in many ancient Bibles follows immediately after the four Gospels and Acts. I've already offered comments on the authors of those documents, and so following the ancient order, we'll proceed next to James. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's series on Christ Through the Ages. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. 